So why are values important, um, and what are they, and why are we talking about them? Um, yeah, actually, every one of us in the room, we have things that we care about, things that we value, things that we call them values because of things that we believe in enough that they shape what we do and what we say and how we see the world around us. Um, core beliefs, core values. Um, actually, we've made this problem of separating what we believe from what we do, and our beliefs, our beliefs often aren't our values. But our values are the things that shape us and the things that shape what we do and what we say. And so our values are important. Um, the trouble with values is often they're implied, meaning we don't often pinpoint and name our values. And when we come into um, some kind of a new relationship dynamic, we bring different values to the table with us, and we may not even know how those values may either be working together or contradicting each other. And, and I think in, when we come into a place like this, um, as a community coming together, seeking to do like-minded things to be um, of one heart and one purpose, um, but we don't talk about what, what really we care about and what God's called us to specifically as a church, then we can be in trouble, meaning we could be wanting to go a million different directions. And then when, when something happens that maybe is, is different than a value you have, um, you might be thinking, why are we doing that? Why are we headed that direction? So values are really important. Um, I remember this very clearly when, when I got married because they told me, you know, you, you might, there might be some things that you care about that your wife doesn't really care about and vice versa. And I, I thought, yeah, that's probably true, but I didn't know what those things were. But one of the first ones that came up was money. Um, and realizing that actually because we were raised differently, that our, how we valued money and the value that it had and the importance it had in our day-to-day life was different. And here's a case in point. So Maria, probably when she was two years old, I don't know, three maybe, started a savings account. Probably not that young. But at some point early on, really early on, she started a savings account. And I, I still don't know what a savings account is. No, I'm just kidding. But I didn't have one at an early age. I didn't know what it was to save. That value was never established in my home. So when we got married, I inherited Maria's savings account, and she inherited my debt. Man, I really got the better end of that one. She's amazing, by the way. I did let her know that I had some debt, um, and she married me anyway, so grace of God right there. Um, but for me, actually, the value that I brought was, was something different. The, part of the reason I didn't save was because, not just because we didn't have money to save, but it was because I had the value of when you see something that's important, um, see something that you care about, then you use your money for that. And, and don't just let it sit over here, you know. For me, it was like wasting away. Like, we could be doing something fun right now, you know, with, that, with those $10, you know. So let's go do that. You know? and, and so that was the value I had was like when you see something uh, worth spending your money on, you spend it. So obviously we've talked through that some, but you can see how um, us coming into that relationship together, now we're trying to work together and we have different values and those values are actually at odds or could be at odds. And so actually we needed to gain an understanding of even what those values were, why they're important to each of us, and so hopefully we can find a happy middle. We're still working on the savings account. Uh, My bad habits have definitely rubbed off on her. Um, So values are really important. So I want to talk through some of those over the next few weeks. What are the core values here as a church? And we spent some time to pray through and really identify these things. If you came in today um, for the first time, you should actually see we have an updated 
version to the zine, this is hot off the press, uh, with some of those values articulated. Um, even if you're not new with us, you might want to grab a zine. Hey, uh, we have some in the back speaking of, you, were you listening to that whole thing? I didn't even know you were in the room. I, I should be more careful. Um, if you need a zine, uh, they're on the back table. Um, you can grab those at any time. But tonight I want to talk about the value of growing family. And uh, I really believe this is, this is like value number one, core essential to us. And as we talk about these values, I'm going to kind of um, run through them on three different levels. The first level is we're going to look at specifically what God says about these things. Why they matter to him. Because if they don't matter to God first and foremost, then they really probably shouldn't matter to us as a church, okay? Um, and then the second thing is why they matter to us. And the third part of that is how we can pursue these values together as a community here, okay? So um, this first value is called growing family. I want to explain that to you, what it is. Uh, we talk about family a lot here. Um, for some of you, um, you may not have family, that word, I know it's jam-packed with connotations and um, People uh, from our leadership team make jabs at me all the time for saying this phrase. I've used it less as a result because they're making fun of me about it. But uh, when people come in and say, you know, this is a family here, and I hope that you really feel a part of that tonight, especially if you're new with this. Um, And for some, that might seem weird, calling the church a family. But I actually believe that um, family is the core relationship that God has established for this thing called the church. Family is the core relationship that God has established for the church. It is the central dynamic for how we're meant to relate to him and to each other as the church. And so I want to unpack that for a few minutes. Um, This thing called family, and it's not just family, but it's a specific family. It's called the family of God. The family of God. And I believe that actually, as a church, we need to um, get back to an understanding what it really means for us to be the family of God. What it means for us to be children of God. What it means for us to be sons and daughters of the Creator God. In His family, in fellowship with Him, sharing in the things of His household. That's pretty amazing. I don't know about you, but growing up in church, I never heard about family. I never heard this thing called sonship. I never heard what it meant to be sons and daughters of God and how amazing that was. We just called each other Christians. Now, Christian is a good descriptor, but I think there's a a more accurate and um, potent descriptor for who we are in God's family. It's children of God, sons and daughters. So um, let's let's talk about where that comes from, okay? Um, Jesus... Jesus, in Matthew 6, verse 9, he's, um, he's, he's been preaching about what it's like to be in the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is like, what, what God's reign and rule is like on this earth. And he says that this, this kingdom is breaking through, and he's talking about the nature of, of this new way of living um, as part of God's kingdom. And, and he's been in teaching them and instructing them. And he gets to this place on prayer. And they've, they've actually asked him. They said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And he says, when you pray, pray this way. And he uses these first few words. And, and this may be familiar to you. Matthew 6, 9, he says, he says, our Father 
in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those first two words, so incredibly powerful. Familiar to us probably. But at that time, in that moment, when Jesus speaks these words, he's giving them permission to relate to God, the God of the universe, in a way that they never have before. He's giving them permission to relate to the God of the universe in a way that they never have been able to before. And he says the basis of this relationship that you get to be a part of, and when you talk to this God, this is how you refer to him. You refer to him as father. You refer to him in this intimate way as dad. Abba, father. Jesus is setting up a new dynamic of relationship. And in fact, to tell them this would have been a shock for them. It was, uh, would have definitely challenged their prayer life a little bit. For us, maybe not so much. But actually, the writer of, of um, the Gospel of John... He really, he really wanted us to know just how much this new dynamic was changing. And in fact, in the Gospel of John, we hear um, this word Father shows up over 160 times in the Gospel of John. You'd be hard-pressed to find it before in reference to God. And so there's a dynamic shift that's changing in terms of how we relate to God because of Jesus, actually. And so Jesus is saying, I'm giving you permission to pray to God this way because this is actually how I pray to him. And I want you to, to have the same kind of relationship that I have with him. So when you pray to him, pray our Father. And it's permission to know God as dad. Permission to know him as the head of your family. And it's actually an invitation into the family of God. See, when Jesus came, he didn't just come to get us to heaven. He, got, he came to get us Bring us into a family. Are you with me? Jesus, when he came, he came to bring you into a family. The word there is adoption. Adoption is another potent word. How did you get into the family of God? How did you get into the family of God? Because at one point you weren't in the family of God. And Jesus, he told this guy Nicodemus about this. He said, he said you want to get into the kingdom, you have to be born again. You have to be born all over again. And you have to be actually born over again into a new family. And that just blew Nicodemus' mind. He was a really smart guy. And he was trying to analyze how this could actually physically happen. And Jesus said... You, you, you haven't got it yet. It's kind of a metaphor, but it's actually this impossible thing without God. But you need to be born again into a new family. That's the work that Jesus came to allow us to be a part of. Adoption. Okay, so you, you actually didn't choose to be a part of the family of God. God chose you to be a part of his family. That's the nature of adoption. See, we've been finding this out. Um, for those of you that don't know, my wife and I are in the middle of pursuing adoption with Jonathan. We're currently fostering him. It's an amazing time. Um, but about a year and a half ago, we had to go through all these incredibly boring classes um, so that we could be certified for, to be foster parents and hopefully adoptive parents. And let me tell you, it was totally worth it, okay? It was totally worth it. But in the middle of those classes, we're talking, and we're, we're, we're going through these classes, we're learning this information. I'm like, I don't even know how much of this we're going to do. We're giving up, you know, several nights of our week for this. In the back of my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't even know who the kid is yet, but I'm 
this is going to be so worth it when we find him. This is going to be so worth it when we, when we get to see him face to face and bring him home into our family. And see, um, you realize that how that happens, the kid's not saying, hey, pick me, I'm over here. Um, can, I, can I come home with you? That's not how it happens. It's actually the initiation of the parents that say, um, we're, we're doing this, we're going to pursue this. And, and even in that regard, for us even, it was, it's, it's been a little out of our hands. We say we're ready, we're ready for this. And there's other people involved in helping um, arrange this. And so uh, we actually didn't have full control of choosing Jonathan. But he definitely didn't have control over choosing us. And in the same way, God says, I choose you to be a part of my family. That's what adoption is. So we've been invited into the family of God. It's an amazing thing. And in that, we have a good father. Also, also, this is what we have. So we have one father and it's one family, okay? Um, we also have Jesus as our brother. I don't know how many of you have thought of Jesus as your brother, but you know it's actually, it's okay, it's, it's on limits. Uh, it's legal to think of Jesus as your brother, as your big brother. Some of you are like, I always wanted a big brother. Well, guess what? You have one. It's Jesus. This is where it comes from. Hebrews 2. Um, I'm going to read this real quick. Hebrews 2. Sorry. Okay, this is what it says in Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2, verse 10 and 11. It says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, that would be us, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through, that, through what he suffered. And he's talking about Jesus. Verse 11, Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family okay there's that word so jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters actually jesus is pretty excited to have you in the family of god and he came as the first son to lead the way and it says jesus is the first son among many so god's heart and his design was to create a family are you getting this are are you you, you get in a picture, like, this is God's design. This is his desire. When he looks at the church, when he looks at you and me, he looks at us and he sees his family. Whether we see him as family, whether we see each other as family is another story, but he sees that. So because he sees it, hopefully we can begin to see it as well. And the importance of this relationship dynamic um, that God has made a way for us to, to share in. So Jesus is our brother in this family. He's our Lord and our Savior, and it's actually his lordship, and it's his work on the cross and saving us that makes a way for us to be called sons and daughters, that has made a way for us to be brothers and sisters in this family. Are you with me? Okay. And where's the Holy Spirit in all this? Um, it's funny, I asked Maria today, I was like, so what about the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit fit into the family of God? And, and she said, well, uh, you know, probably more on the motherly side. And I was like, well, that was really easy for you. 
And if you think about it, actually, um, the Holy Spirit is called the helper, and the Holy Spirit is there to guide and to nurture. And so, yeah, I think you could, you could say that. But let me just tell you if, you, if you Google Holy Spirit Mother, you will get some really weird websites. So I'm just preparing you for that. <laughs> I'm like, who are these people? I've never heard of this before. Like, I'm afraid to click on that link. <laughs> so anyway, Holy Spirit Mother, just get you some weird things out there. But um, also the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit, it says, is, is the one that actually um, proves that we are the family of God. It says that in, in Romans. Let me, let me find it real quick. It's in Romans. I had bookmarks somewhere, but they must have all fallen out. Romans. It's in Romans 8. It says this in verse 14. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God... So, so sorry, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So if you have the Spirit of God leading you, you are a child of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are, children, are God's children. So actually, the Spirit is proof in your life that you are a child of God. And actually, it's the Spirit in you that enables you to actually trust God and call Him your Father. So you see how the Trinity is actually working together, that we would get this idea of who we are and whose we are? It's our identity. And, and over the, the coming months, especially if you're new with us, you're going to hear this over and over again. We need to know who we are in God. Our God-given identity is so essential for our ability to live in victory. Our God-given identity is so essential for us to live in love with each other, to live in generosity with each other, to live actually all the other values that we're going to talk about, to live out all of them. That's why we're talking about this one first, because it's who we are in God that enables us to live out what he's called us to. It's who God is to us in the family that enables us to live like him. See, you called to be like Jesus. You were called to be like your heavenly father. You're called to be like this family that you're a part of. You're called to represent him with the name that he's given you. That's what it means to be the family of God. And actually, he's saying, I've enabled you. I've given you permission to live this out. And in the family of God, we don't have time to talk about this part. There's this thing called inheritance. And Paul prays that we would know the riches of our inheritance. See, when you come into a family or maybe you were born into a family um, and you were maybe fortunate enough um, that your family had some, some um, excess, you might actually have an inheritance waiting for you at some point. Well, as the family of God, he says, in fact, you do have an inheritance right now. And um, we get to tap into that as his children. It's our right. It says every spiritual blessing has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Jesus, as our big brother, has paved the way so that we can have what we have in the family of God. Okay, are you with me? All right, so I just wanted to kind of establish some of the biblical foundation for this thing called family. And that's why this is a core value for us. We really take serious what it means to be the family of God, what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ, what it means to be sons and daughters of living God, what it means to have what has been made available through us, Jesus, uh, 
to us through Jesus. When we talk about trusting God for finances, for example, it's a good one today. Why do we do that? How can we do that? You know the reason we can do that? It's because we have a good father who is not withholding, but who's taking care of us. See, some of us may have grown up in a situation where we had to worry about what we had or what we didn't have because we weren't sure we were going to have enough. But that's not what this family is like. That's not what it's like to be in the family of God. And I'm not saying there isn't moments of lack, but it, um, the Father says that he will take care of us. That's, that's a right that we have, a promise we have in the family of God. And so he says, don't worry because your heavenly Father knows what you need. That's also in Matthew, right after he teaches them to pray to the Father. He says, oh, as you're praying to him, guess what? Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will wear. The basics. Don't worry about even the basic things because your heavenly Father knows what you need. So that's, that's actually um, part of this thing called family and part of what it means for us to be his children. Okay, um, so, family of God. But we've, we've added this um, descriptor to that, growing family. And I want to talk about what it means for us to be a growing family together. So, I, I really believe we not only are called to be the family of God, but we're called to um, be a growing family together. And I want to explain that to you guys for a minute. Um, Actually, before I, before I explain the growing part, um, I want to talk about the dynamic for us together. Okay, so God has set a precedent for us to um, be a part of this family. Um, when it comes to the church, I think we have, we've um, often neglected that relationship that God's afforded us. For other relationship dynamics that we've thought to be more effective in regards to the call we have to be the church. The, the, the primary relationship that I think of when I think of how the church often functions together is corporate relationship. I don't know about you guys, but um, I think the church for a long time has decided that, you know what, if we're going to be successful, if we're going to achieve goals, even godly goals, um, we've, we've looked at the world around us and said, who's, who's successful around us? Who's doing good things, accomplishing much? And... Um, We've looked at corporations, and we've seen that, oh, look, these people are achieving their goals. They're, they're successful. They're doing all this stuff. And the church has kind of adopted a lot of that. And we've said, in fact, that if we're going to accomplish what God's called us to, that probably we, we can learn from these businesses and corporations. And maybe that's actually how we're going to achieve that. Are you with me? Have you experienced that, anybody? You don't have to just say yes because I told you. I'm afraid that in, in doing so, we've, we've believed a lie. We've believed a lie that, in fact, um, that we can be more effective in doing what God's called us to, meantime, neglecting the core relationship that he's called us to. And actually, when you look at this thing called mission, okay, there's a lot of corporations that are accomplishing amazing um, achievements in their missions. But there's only one um, entity that's called to be the church. And as the church, the core identity of this um, entity is family. It's not corporation. And so one of the primary problems I see with corporation 
um, as the di- relationship dynamic. Yes, we may achieve some things together, um, but at what cost? See, in corporation, it's hierarchical. In corporation, you work your way up to the top, and you do so at any cost. In corporation, you come together um, to achieve a goal. It's relationship for the purpose of accomplishment. It's relationship for the purpose of achievement. But see, in family, it's the exact opposite. In family, it's actually relationship that is the thing that brings you together. Relationship is the reason that you're here. We talk about the church being not about religion, but about relationship. Well, what is the nature of that relationship? I believe the nature is supposed to be one of family. And so actually, family is supposed to be the reason that we come together. Relationship is supposed to be the thing that brings us together. Not mission, even. Are you with me? So if we're driven by doing things, and that's what unites us, then we will look at the people around us through the lens of works. We'll look at the people around us for what they can offer us towards the mission or what they can't offer us towards the mission. And we'll elevate some people because of their um, skill and because of their ingenuity and because they are um, go-getters, more ambitious, and we'll lower other people because they're not those things. And it happens in the church all the time. And it's a problem. It's a way we're being like the world. And so I think we have to flip the script. We're not called to be a corporation. We're called to be a family. And what that means is we come together first and primarily out of relationship. We come together to unite around the call to be a family. Not to go do things, but to be. Not to do, but to be. We come together and we unite out of the call to be something, not do something. You see the difference? Here's the thing. I believe when we come together and we begin to really discover who we are in God and we really begin to discover what he's called us to be, then we will accomplish things. It will be the overflow of our unity. It will be the overflow of us understanding who we are. And that's the part that I think is the reason why we haven't accomplished things in the church. And the reason why we've gone to the corporate model is because we don't know first who we are and we're trying to do things out of some misplaced identity. So in the beginning, and I love this, so I was talking with a pastor about this in the beginning. We're going to go to Genesis for a second in case you're wondering. Um, I was talking to a pastor recently about this and just telling him my heart, like I really... I said, you know, I really feel God is calling us back to this thing called family. And he said, you know, I agree with you. And he's, he's a really generous man and older guy, and he just really has a father's heart. And I, I'm like, this is missing in the church. People like you just overseeing and leading and loving the way that God does. And uh, so I'm talking to him about this, and I said, you know, we got to get away from the corporation. we got to get to what it means to be a family. And I, I told him, you know, I think the reason we have adopted the corporation model is because we feel like we're, we, we need that to accomplish things. And he pointed this out to me, so this wasn't my, my thought. He said, you know, back in Genesis, we see that God um, was, and God existed before um, any of this ever was. And God existed together, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Trinity was there as family. It was actually out of the overflow of that family dynamic, that creation 
came about. It says in, in Genesis, let us make. You hear that? It's, it's family language. Let us make. Let us make man in our own image. And so it's actually the, in the overflow and abundance of unity and relationship that creation was formed. That's a whole lot of stuff that was made. And it was made out of the overflowing of being together. And, and actually in that creation, God said, out of the overflow of our love, we're going to make something. And, and we're actually going to make creation and we're going to make man and, and, and woman in our image. And we're going to invite them to share in this relationship. And then a whole bunch of stuff happened. And you see, God is actually looking to recover that relationship dynamic that he intended for us with him in the very beginning. And it's meant to happen in this thing called family as we get to know him, who he is, how much he loves us, and who we are together. Who we are together. And he said this about um, this, this thing, the Trinity, this amazing picture of God, description of God. He says, you know, the Trinity, that God has never ceased to be family. And yet, at the same time, God has never ceased to be on mission. God has never ceased to accomplish his plans and purposes, but it always flows out of family. In the same way, I really believe that if we're going to accomplish what God's called us to, that it's going to be the overflow of family. If it's going to happen the way it needs to happen, and if it's going to accurately reflect who he is and who we are, it's going to have to happen through family. So, moving away from the corporate mindset, the corporate mentality, and we're moving towards the family mentality, because the family mentality is actually the grace mentality. In the family, you honor people because they are, not because they do. And we'll talk about that some more in the coming weeks, but it's Every person here has value because of who they are, not what they do, primarily. In a family, that's the truth. In a corporation, not so much. Okay? So, that's really important. I want to close with a few things, okay? Some applications here for us. Um, How we can go after this together. This is the harder part for me. And um, I think it's something we need to continue to pray in. But the question is, how can we cultivate and nourish this value in this community? And I would say the first thing is that we need to know who we are. And we take that really seriously up here. And as a leadership, the pursuit that we're after together primarily is not doing stuff in our city. The pursuit we're after together is knowing him. And as we know him, we will begin to know who we are in relationship to him, who he's created us to be. So our pursuit together has to be knowing God, who he is as our good father, who Jesus is as his son and our brother, and who the Holy Spirit is as our God. That's our number one goal here. And that's how we're going to grow as family. And so this thing called identity, you may have never heard it before in a church context, but it's so important. And God, it's, it's, it's all through the Gospels that you would know who you are in God, that you would know what has been accomplished on your behalf through Christ and his sacrifice. And in the coming weeks and months, that's my prayer, that you would know better who you are and who we are together as the family. So that's one way we're going to go after that together. 
Um, another way is that together, I believe we have to make a commitment to take that call seriously. So we could talk about family and we could throw that language out all day. We can have it on our newcomer zines and we can, you know, we could even make t-shirts and buttons. That We won't go that far, I promise you. Um, <laughs> I just talked to somebody about how much they hate buttons. It's like, okay, we're, I promise you, we're not making buttons anytime soon. But we can, we can talk about it all day, but if we don't make the commitment to actually seriously pursue it, then, then we won't experience it. Um, so actually, each one of you has an invitation and a call in that, that you would open yourself up to, be, um, to allow people to get close to you so that you can know them and that they can know you. That's the dynamic of family. In the same way that you are opening yourself up to God to let him know you and for you to know him. So that's actually something you're going to have to commit to. And the vulnerability of that, maybe it's uncomfortable. Maybe that's not what church is to you, but that's what it means to be a family. So if you're going to be part of that family, you're going to have to take some steps towards that. And here's the good news. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you to give you confidence, to give you peace, to give you boldness, um, to give you grace when you don't know what to say or how to respond or even how to open up to somebody. The Holy Spirit will help you. So I want to invite and encourage you and challenge you all to, to take some steps towards that, that that might be the new dynamic of relationship for you in this, that it wouldn't just be um, corporate or it wouldn't just be consumer. Um, when you come to church, you're not here to just get some stuff, but you're here to know and be known. Okay? And the last thing is this, that growing part of family. See, um, family could be this really tight-knit thing, which is great, but it could also be this very inclusive thing, or exclusive thing. It should be inclusive. It shouldn't be exclusive. See, you know what that kind of family is? That's, that's, that's mafia, actually. I like mob movies a lot. Um, but, you know, there's this family there, and there's something about it that just is like, wow, that's beautiful. But there's also something about it that's just twisted, you know, because actually, if you get in the way of the family, you're sleeping with the fishes. You guys haven't watched enough mob movies, apparently. That means you're, it's over, okay? So actually, there's not this inviting and welcoming, hey, come be a part of the family. Actually, it's, it's like... Um, no, this is the family, and it's our family versus your family, and if you get in our way, you'll be sleeping with the fishes, you'll be going to the mattresses. Any, those are all Godfather references. Great movie, by the way. Um, anyway, at least the first one. second one's like five hours long. So, um, <laughs> But as the family of God, it's not supposed to be that way. I, I'm, I'm just clarifying. We're not supposed to be like the mafia, in case you didn't know that, okay? Um, what does it mean for us to be a growing family? See, we can be a family, but we can be exclusive. So that's why this call to be growing is actually a call beyond ourselves, beyond this. Because this could become comfortable, but we're not meant to remain comfortable here. And it means we continue to have our eyes set on those whom God is calling to be a part of this family. And rest assured that God's love is so good, is so big, and he's so good that he is calling everyone to be a part of his family. And so for us, it means that we continue to have, we need to continue to see the people around us, knowing that God wants them to be a part of his family. And when we think about the family of God, I want you to just picture a table. And I want you to picture us sitting at that table with him, 
enjoying the fellowship of that family, knowing him, being known by him. But I also want us together to picture a seat at that table that's empty. And it's a seat that's reserved for the person that we know that still doesn't know him. A seat that's reserved for the person we know that needs to know how much God loves them and how much he wants to father them, how much he wants them to know him, how much he wants to bring them into and adopt them as a son and a daughter. So actually for us, we need to continue to have our sights set with the people around us, continue to believe and see them before they even are as children of God. See them as one who God has a seat for at his table. And continue to put our focus and our energy and our efforts and our heart towards that. 